0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and I'm so glad you're here because I get the privilege of walking alongside you and connecting you with people and with resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 320, I get to introduce you to my real life friends, Chris and Karen Katolka. They are going to introduce us to some family friendly, simple ways to host a Passover Seder dinner.
1: Mm-hmm. It's the bitter herbs. I always like to get the most bitter because you just want that taste in there. And, uh, you know, what you do is you eat the bitter herbs with matzah uh, as a reminder of the bitterness of bondage that was felt for the Israelites. And, you know, for us as Christians, you know, there was a point where you didn't know Christ. There was a point where you were separated. There was a point where you didn't, you you weren't forgiven, you, you know, you didn't have The grace, you feel the grace of God, maybe the same way that you feel it now. That today you are accepted because of who Christ is in Christ. And so the idea of remembering the past is actually important a lot of times to believers. We remember what it was like before Christ. So that bitterness is a nice, fresh reminder of what was life like before.
0: Chris and Karen both work at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And our paths crossed back when they lived in Dallas and attended our church. Chris went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and they are a bit of experts when it comes to Jewish tradition and hosting a Seder dinner they have four young children. And so, Karen, it gets real about what does this look like? How, what do you emphasize? How do you make this just really serve your family well instead of being another thing added to your to-do list? I really hope it's a blessing to y'all as we possibly again celebrate this Easter holiday um, under different circumstances than we're used to. And so possibly your lives have shifted a little bit and this may be the perfect year to host a Passover Seder dinner. I want to get right to it. Here we go. Chris and Karen, welcome to the Dope Mom Alone podcast. Thank you.
1: Good to be here.
0: You know, y'all are in for a treat today because I've invited the experts on. The mom expert, the Jewish culture expert, friends of ours from Dallas who now live, it feels like abroad. I know you don't, but at least goes <laughs> to me as far as you can get. And they're here to tell us and guide us through a Seder Passover. Feast? Do we call it? Is this a feast? This is one of the
1: feasts? It is a feast of Israel, but it's also an annual celebration. It's very, very important to the Jewish people. So yes, it is a feast, but it's definitely one of the high holy holidays.
0: So I had our mutual friend, Amber Lee, on the show, and she talked about her love of biblical feasts from just from a mom who just fell in love with it and she's hosting. So if y'all want to check out that episode, but today we're going to focus in on Passover because it's right around the corner. And we want to give you all a way to do this with your families, particularly if where you're living, things are still shut down. There won't be a traditional Easter service. um, And you want to make memories with your kids. I was telling Chris and Karen, my family hosted, like growing up, hosted a Seder dinner, and I still can picture it in my head. That's how powerful This could be for your kids in a season where a lot has been removed to put something positive in, something that just grows their faith and this storyline that we've been invited into, the Jewish tradition that has been held and preserved for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So thanks for being here. Talk to us, Chris, about why Passover and Seder matters for the Jewish people.
1: It's so important to the Jewish people. I was just actually uh, thinking about like a term that could describe it. And it really is their spiritual independence day. You know, it's their marking of when God called them as a people out of a land that wasn't their own. They were building a kingdom that wasn't their own. They were enslaved and they were in bondage and God promised that a promise that goes way back to Abraham, God promised that he would bring them out and deliver them. And he did it, and he did it in a miraculous way. And so for Jewish people, even in the middle of the Passover, it's amazing. Cause God says, you're gonna do this every year. It's an annual celebration because I don't want you to forget how amazing this is for you. I delivered you, no other God has ever done this for his people before. And so for that reason, for thousands and thousands of years, Jewish people have been celebrating Passover in remembrance of God delivering them and then setting them aside, giving them a purpose to serve him. So that's the really the heart behind Passover.
0: And the original Passover is from their time in Egypt. Uh, after all of the plagues, this is the final plague. They didn't know. I mean, they may have guessed God promised he'd deliver us. But when they were painting that lamb's blood over the doorway didn't know that this would be an annual celebration.
1: That's right. Yeah, God instituted it the night that they were gonna take that lamb and slaughter it. And they were all gonna go hide out in their homes and they were gonna put a marker on the door to mark that. God's people were in there. And that mark was the blood of the lamb. And what's so important for us as believers that I'm sure if anybody's ever read through the New Testament is that the moment you see Jesus appearing in the Gospel of John, you see Jesus coming and right away, John the Baptist goes, behold the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And so even right away for a Jewish person reading the New Testament, they're going, oh, that's the Passover lamb. Uh, There's so many Passover elements in the new Testament, uh, that even Jesus died on Passover. Like there are so many elements to Passover in our faith that I think it just begs us to celebrate.
0: So cool. So, so for the Jewish tradition, it's, it's annually, but it's part of this overall, like I, I shared this, this feast calendar and there's multiple feasts that are happening
2: mm-hmm.
0: over a, a weekend. And you and I were talking about the Jewish Passover is technically the weekend before this episode airs. But as believers, we kind of coincide with Easter. So talk to us about that Jewish calendar compared to the Christian religious calendar.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just the dif- the difference is the Gregorian calendar and the lunar Hebrew calendar. So the lunar Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar can often bob and weave around one another. So sometimes Passover and Easter line up perfectly. I think that happened maybe a year ago or two years ago. And sometimes it can be almost what feels like a month apart. Um, and that's just because of the way the lunar calendar works, which was the Hebrew calendar. So that's just the nature of it. So yeah, March 27th is when the The Jewish Passover begins, and that goes for actually a whole uh, seven days. It includes another feast called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So, yeah, it's very important to the Jewish people.
0: So because those two calendars are different, but in reality, the Easter we celebrate as believers, Jesus, death, and resurrection, that Last Supper was Passover.
1: That was, yes. You know, it's hard to imagine this, but there was no Gregorian calendar, the calendar that we use back in Jesus's day. So he, for him, it's just a Passover tater. <laughs> for him, you know, that's yeah. why, like you were saying, you know, you go back to this concept of what the Passover was in the past and how it meet what it means to us today. You know, you know, we're looking back on an event for Jesus. It was only Passover for him. It was just this one. It was, he was, he was embedded in the Hebrew calendar at that time. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So talk us through. Why this matters for us as believers? You said it matters, but talk us through a little bit more about that. Or do you have more about w- the Jewish people?
1: No, you know, I'll just add this uh, so that we can get to some of the great elements of the Passover Seder. To me, there's a section in First Corinthians when it's talking about the Lord's Supper, where Paul highlights the fact that Jesus becomes our Passover Lamb, and so. There is just a unique connection for Christians to the fact that when we take the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate communion, however you do that in your church, whether it's uh, once a month or once a week for some, you know, you're actually taking part in a section, a very small section of a Passover Seder. The cup and the bread. And it's amazing, actually, that the gospel writers, like in Matthew, they highlight just one little moment to get you to this section of the Passover. But really, Jesus would have gone through hours long Passover Seder with the disciples. He would have taken four cups of wine. He would have eaten dinner. He would have gone through a lot of the elements that Karen's about to talk about. And so, you know, like this is so important to us because I really believe that it connects directly to who we are as Christians. And, you know, really the theme that I can't get away from is redemption. You know, when Jesus is talking about, the Passover, he's talking to his disciples and they're thinking about redemption of Israel. And Jesus says, I'm about to redeem you from something even greater than you can imagine. And my blood will become the blood of the lamb that will that will forgive you from your sins and redeem you and bring you into a new life, a new exodus away from the, uh, the bondage of sin. So just these amazing parallels between the Jewish Passover and the Passover that Jesus provides for us.
0: I'm thankful I get to bring you this content because of sponsors like Hello Bello. Let me tell you, I get the parenting is hard. I am not sad to be out of the diaper phase. It although they are babies are so sweet and cuddly, it's hard and it's expensive. And so I want to give you a great option. It's a company co founded by Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard and built on this simple idea that all babies deserve the best. So they are offering premium baby products at affordable prices. You can get these diaper bundles delivered right to your door that come with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant based wipes, and even a full size product with your first order. You just go over to HelloBello.com forward slash DMA and you're going to build your bundle, which includes picking the most adorable diaper patterns. I was able to get some samples and have my friends Haley and Meredith try them out and they said they worked great. The trick will just be getting buy-in with your kids and I swear if they help you pick out the pattern, if they're at that age, then it's gonna go so much better because these are super cute. I mean, who wouldn't want dinosaurs on their diaper? If you wanna go check it out, the shipping is free. You can cancel anytime. There are no gotchas. So go to hellobello.com forward slash DMA. In addition, you're gonna get 25% off of your diaper bundle order. That's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved. That's hellobello.com forward slash DMA. Start bundling with 25% off your order and get 15% off any add-ons like vitamins or wipes. Don't forget, it's hellobello.com forward slash DMA. So cool. I went to Israel. I know you've been to Israel lots of times, and even just the Shabbat—that's the weekly—has the wine and the bread, and and it's this long feast weekly <laughs> or meal. I shouldn't say feast meal. So with the Passover meal, you mentioned it. You know, it's hours, and that can be intimidating. A mom's like, I can't have a four-hour meal no. with my children, and Karen. How many kids do y'all have now? I mean, i tell their ages. I know how many, but tell everyone that's listening.
2: Yeah. The last time we checked, we had four <laughs> kids. <laughs> four kids age range from. We have a 10 year old. We have twin eight year olds. And then we have a three year old. My goodness. So we're busy. And three
0: boys and a girl. And three so sitting and down for a four hour meal sounds like a dream to me with
2: that age kids. Them. Oh it's i it's I try to pull that off every night
0: <laughs> every <laughs> night. just this beautiful time of conversation, <sighs> passing the food, so oh, all the yeah. etiquette. yeah, yes, yeah. but is it is it possible for a mom with kids those ages to host? Yeah, their own seder?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here's this is one of our top tips. Chris and I have been parents now for ten years. Um, although we've been married for 12, and that's the most I've ever heard him say Gregorian. In a, <laughs> <laughs> in a tough, I mean, it's rare that your husband surprises you. But that I was, mean, you still got it,
0: Chris. I'm working on it. it. I'm still working still on it.
2: it. I'd marry him all over again. <laughs> that Gregorian calendar. But, um. No. So Chris and I, we are not your average parents. We believe very, very, we are, we are your, actually your average parents. We believe very wholeheartedly and lowering your expectations. Yeah. Um, so if you're expecting to have your kids to get the meaning of a Passover Seder the first time, or you're going to want them to um, cry, you know, because the, the, the experience is so deeply moving for them, I wouldn't do it this year, quite honestly, but if you want to start laying a foundation of your kids interacting with the Lord's Passover and how, what Jesus, who they know, probably know all about. And with Easter coming, we talk about Jesus. We talk about the stone. It rolled away. He rose. We all know that, but just to start laying that foundation and seeing how they can understand what he was doing and the meaning of that that picture when he's having that last supper, I think that's what your first one is. I think that should be your, your highest expectation is just to lay the foundation of what a Passover Seder can be.
0: Yeah. And so from my memory, there are specific foods. There's a plate. There's kind of a, not a narrative, but a, a booklet that you're working through mm-hmm. prayers, songs and you all are so kind. There is a download that we're going to direct you to in the show notes. Karen and Chris work at Friends of Israel and so they have a website. They're going to do a live Seder if you're interested in that kind of guidance on April 1st, which is that's a Thursday night. Yep. Yeah. Mahdi Thursday. What is that? What's that called? There's a name Monday for Thursday. Monday Thursday. Uh so if you want to follow along there, but you also are going to help condense what's happening to where you could get to the heart of Passover with your kids in about 15 minutes. Is that your promise? Yeah.
2: <laughs> 15 <laughs> minutes or it's free? Well, well, it's- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eat all you want. We'll make more. <laughs> what promise um, you got? Here's the deal. Whoever's listening today, you don't know me. I don't want to make this complicated. My whole goal in life is to take every complicated thing and make it as simple as possible. And so whatever we're about to say, the goal is for you to take the little nuggets that you can handle and just do that. But as Chris has said, I, I'm just the wife of a Seder guy. Like No, he goes just. Around. No just. Oh, You're
0: the I'm... Karen Katolka who leads Pilates and works at Friends of Israel.
2: All right. But I have sat through a lot of Passover seders. So the full version for a true Jewish family, it's going to be four to five hours. The one Chris has led for churches or whatever, that can be two hours. Again, what I'm about to present is a 15 minute solution for you and your very busy kids. Again, I have a 28 year old boys that I can make an entire meal and they can eat it in two minutes and be walking away. So this is like, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, and then you spend the next 13 minutes yelling at them to come sit down <laughs> and tell you about their day.
0: But, um, listen to what Jesus did and Moses, yeah. Abraham
2: taste the tears. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. so the Seder plate is what I want to focus on. And again, like we said, if you go to foi.org slash Passover, you can download our Passover packet, and that will show you an image of what this Passover plate looks like, what I'm about to talk about, where you would put it in this spot, and then um, the recipes, if you wanted them. And it's not complex stuff to make, right? This isn't. No, 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 no. So the plate has an egg on it. One hard boiled hard boiled. I can, I can buy that at the Costco. Hard okay. Hard
0: mm-hmm.
2: All right. It's going to have a bunch as in a, not a ton, like a bunch of parsley, <laughs> <laughs> a gathering of parsley, a gathering of parsley. Okay. It's going to have a big dollop of horseradish. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now I know some of you are like, "My can't stop spicy. That's fine. Just challenge them that night. Give them just to get. Don't get the super hot. Get a teeny tiny horseradish. If that's really outside of it, maybe get some mayonnaise and put some salt in it. Do something that like you know won't ruin them for the rest of the evening, but where they can taste something that tastes slightly bitter. That's horseradish. And then this that you do need to know the the recipe of this. It's super super simple, but it's Chris. Is it horoset? How do you pronounce Mm -hmm. it?
1: Yep, horoset.
2: Okay, it's just a mixture of chopped apples, chopped nuts, and cinnamon. Again, nut allergies. Don't worry about it. Whatever, make it however you need to make it. Apples um, and cinnamon. No nuts. Apples and cinnamon. Yeah. And then um, each kid gets four teeny tiny plastic cups or paper cups full of, now I'm a mom, I would just put a splash of grape juice in each one, one, because they're all going to spill anyway. Um, And two, because this is just for them to taste. Okay.
0: And in the sugar, we're, we're trying to always monitor the sugar.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Juice Um, has a lot of sugar. Yeah. Juice has Mm -hmm. a lot of sugar. And so fill that. And then Chris will explain this a little bit more, the meaning of it in a moment, but um matzah matzah is that unleavened bread you can get it it's out wherever your grocery store is it is all I over i saw the it place. at kroger they had it out that yep. kroger
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then this is the tough one but chris and i talked about it it's a roasted shank bone which is never fun to say but it is what it is it's a bone and it's in remembrance of the passover lamb and so this could just it's it's a bone so you can go out and ask your butcher to give you a shank bone if you want, or you can, what, you put a chicken bone on there. You can do whatever you want. Buy yourself like a $5 chicken
0: from yes. the Kroger, you know, yes. that they have already cooked and pull out a leg bone or something. Or just buy, put yeah. a,
2: pull out a bone. It just needs to be on the plate because it is very, it's very important. It's very symbolic. It's just not the easiest thing always to, to get. And then you need like four napkins. OK, and you just have to hear me out real quick here. You're going to lay one napkin down, mom. Are we talking cloth? I'm sorry, I'm getting real particular. cloth or sure. it
0: doesn't matter. Cloth napkin. Again,
2: the, the, any, that kind of stuff, you just do what you got, you know. Okay. But yeah, sure. Linen cloth would be great. Lay one napkin down, put a sheet of matzah.
0: And when she says a sheet of matzah, it looks like a giant cracker, y'all. Yeah. This yeah. unleavened bread, if you've heard that term when you're reading your Bible, it's just a big cracker. So it looks like it's big cracker. Yep. Mm-hmm. So lay down the napkin, lay down a matzah cracker, and then
2: another napkin, another pizza matzah, and then another napkin. And Chris is going to explain that in a minute. But that's just what you have to do in its simplest terms to prepare yourself for that element. And then the other, the last thing you need is one separate bowl that has salt water in it.
0: A bowl that's open.
2: Mm-hmm. For Mm -hmm.
0: dipping it, like
2: dipping in? Yep. So, and again, in this time of COVID, if you have friends or whatever, all of these things, you can just have your own little tiny bowl with salt water in it. Chris will explain in a minute why why you even need that or how that fits into it. But that's it. I know it maybe sounded like a lot, but it's a very simple setup. Um, It's not pretty. It's not going to feed your family. It's not dinner. (laughs) It's not. This is just your interactive plates where the story of the Passover Seder begins. I'm picturing too if you're listening to this and it's
0: way after Easter yeah, Passover anytime. Yep. This is something you could just have this be like a Friday night activity. Like Absolutely. let's do this instead of movie night or let's do this instead of whatever Sunday night whatever. Just get this stuff together and make a memory. Amen. Agreed. Okay. All right, so Chris talk us through why are we having all these things on a plate?
1: I know that's. this is the fun part about having all this fun. This is why I think it's great for kids, because it's the most awkward combination. I was talking with Karen about this before we got started. And I was saying the thing I love about the Passover is how tactile it is for your, you know, like kids that are running around and want to touch things and whatnot. The beauty of the Passover is that, you know, especially if you're just a family, all the hands can be in there. And it's just the most incredible like participation. And I think it can be done in 15 minutes. And for the mom out there that wants to do this, number one, I think you have to know you cannot do it wrong. Don't feel like you have to nail this thing. You can't do it wrong, you know? 100%. Yeah.
0: And and I want to say like in Jewish tradition, from what I experienced in the Shabbat, it's such a family friendly, it's kids running all around. It's not sitting down and everybody's like well-behaved. It is about embracing the just the wonder and the curiosity and this the childishness. It's to pass it on so those kids do it with their kids.
1: That's exactly right. In fact, just before we even get to, you know, we have this thing that Karen was talking about called the Haggadah. In Hebrew, it literally is what is designed to walk the parents through the Passover Seder with their families. And the Haggadah, actually, the rabbis even put sections in there to make sure that the kids participate. And so that is so awesome. They actually are required to ask four questions. It's called the uh, Mishnatana. And so they ask these four questions of why this night is different from all other nights. And then the, the parent responds. And then the rabbis even put in there four different types of kids so that you're, there's always, the parent understands that not every kid learns the same. And so rabbis were dealing with this, you know, hundreds, centuries, thousands of years ago, understanding that not every kid approaches Passover the same. And I think we do the same thing even today and how it comes to education. You know, not every kid learns the same way.
0: And those four questions are in the Haggadah, like it tells them exactly what to say.
1: It tells the kids exactly yeah. what to say.
0: And then the parents, it tells them exactly how to respond.
1: This the rabbis wanted to make sure the father or whoever was leading the family through the Passover Seder could get the family from point A to point B successfully to remember the Passover. And that there and was like consistency,
0: like every every family. Yes.
1: Yeah. And there's the prayers that are in there.
0: Another sponsor making this show possible is Soul Cycle. And, you know, there was a season when I would attend workout classes. And I I loved that feeling of like, we're all in this together. It may have been hard for me to go to the class, but once I was there, I just, I love that feeling of the music and the instructor. And so I am so thankful that SoulCycle has an at-home bike that kind of converts your home into that feel, that SoulCycle studio feel with a 21-inch touch screen you can get this revolutionary sound system that is engineered for the bike and with the SoulCycle's iconic playlist if you are a music person. You get also unlimited access to live and on-demand SoulCycle classes, so you can clip in with your favorite instructors and just be transported right to the front row of that studio, but on your schedule. This monthly membership also gives you access to the Equinox Plus app where you can stream classes from Rumble, TB12, Pure Yoga, Solid Core. You can get your SoulCycle bike, your at-home bike, in just one to three weeks. That is so fast. And they have financing options available to make attaining these goals achievable. So get your SoulCycle at-home bike today by visiting MySoulCycleBike.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone. Use the promo code DMA. You're going to get a complimentary pair of at-home select cycling shoes with your purchase. That's MySoulCycleBike.com slash DMA, promo code DMA. You'll get your complimentary pair of cycling shoes with the purchase of your SoulCycle at-home bike. MySoulCycleBike.com slash DMA, promo code DMA.
1: Okay, talk us through it. Yeah, really quick. Okay, so the matza. Karen was talking about the three, uh, the four napkins and the matza in between. That is actually a, a like a section called the Afi Komen. And during that section, I love this. You break the matza, the middle matza. You had the three, they were layered on top of one another, and you broke the middle one in half and you wrap that piece in half and you hide it away. So you have a full piece, a half broken piece and a full piece in that napkin section. And then you take the other broken half and you hide it away. And the kids have to go find it after dinner because that's going to become dessert.
0: So wait, like when Karen said you prepare the matzah between the napkins, is that done before the meal? And you've done the half thing before the meal, or it's part of this meal?
1: You, you kind of get it all set up, but then there's a section where you pull out the middle piece. Okay. As
0: part of, like, with your family, your kids are present. You that's pull right. out the middle piece. You break in half. You hide half.
1: That's right. Half you wrap back. it up. in a, You wrap it up. You hide it away. And you put the other half back.
0: So that's where that fourth napkin comes in. Because she said four napkins, but they were only. Okay.
1: Yep. And so you can hide that one away. And that one becomes the kids, you know, they go out and they find it after the dinner. What's the meaning on all this? I'm just feeling like
0: this is very symbolic.
1: This is incredibly symbolic. Actually, Jewish people don't know exactly where this Afi Komen section came from in their tradition. And so it's weird. It's the only Greek word in in the Passover Seder. And so it actually means he came, which is just crazy. And so if you look at the imagery of it, you have three full pieces of matzah, And the middle piece is broken, and then it's wrapped up, hidden away. And then it's actually the parent has to pay the kid to get that. When they find the matzah, it has to be redeemed, brought back. And then they break that piece of matzah up and they share it among themselves and eat to remember the lamb. It's amazing. It's a part of Jewish tradition. It's called the apikom, and it means he came. That's what the Greek word is. And you have this imagery in the Passover Seder of the Trinity of. Of who God is. Three pieces, the middle piece, the sun was broken, bought, brought back, and we all eat and remember him. As part of like the communion service. So there's that beauty there, the symbolism there. That's the Afikoman.
0: Unbelievable.
1: It's amazing, isn't it?
0: No, I, I was telling like remembering back to that Seder meal. I really remember going and finding the piece because when have you ever I am even thinking of my kids, like, have we ever sat down and we're like, Hey guys, we hid some of our food in the house somewhere, <laughs> go find it. And it's going to remind you of this thing we do at church every week where we all eat a little bit of a cracker. Like, it was like my world kind of made more sense. I don't know if that, I feel like I had all the, um, back when we were growing up in Sunday school, you'd have the felt board stories of Jesus. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it became a little more 3d to me. Like, Oh, Jesus was a person, and oh, he did this, and oh, his people have been doing this for forever, and it has this meaning that I believe Jesus died for my sins and that he came, like you're saying, for me. Yeah. Anyway, for me. yeah, I love that. Okay, that's amazing.
1: The bitter herbs is one of my favorite ones. You know, Karen was saying go easy. I always like, that's hey, the you're do this, the oh, that's horse the horseradish. That's the horseradish,
0: not the parsley, because mm-hmm. I don't like parsley. Okay, so horseradish. <laughs>
1: that's right, horseradish
0: it's the bitter mm-hmm. herbs. Mm-hmm. It's the
1: bitter herbs. I always like to get the most bitter because you just want that taste in there and uh you know what you do is you eat the bitter herbs with matzah uh, as a reminder of the bitterness of bondage that was felt for the Israelites. And you know for us as Christians, you know there was a point where you didn't know Christ. There was a point where you were separated. There was a point where you didn't you you weren't forgiven. You you know you didn't have the grace, you feel the grace of God, maybe the same way that you feel it now, that today you are accepted because of who Christ is in Christ. And so the idea of remembering the past is actually important a lot of times to believers. We remember what it was like before Christ. So that bitterness is a nice fresh reminder of what was life like before. And there's even that nice connection to, that in the Hebrew, the word is called the moror. And if you've ever studied the book of Ruth, Uh, Ruth is uh, the daughter of Naomi. And when Naomi loses everything, her kid, her husband, her her boys, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Moror, call me bitter. And in the end, the story is Naomi finds sweetness again. And so the bitterness of bondage is connected to the Christian walk as well in many ways.
0: When I'm thinking of the Israelites, even when they were in exile after Egypt, you know, the time of Jeremiah, and they're in Babylon— them continuing this tradition while you're in Babylon of the Passover meal, where they're in misery again, and the hope of looking back to the generations before them that were in bitterness and were delivered, that there's hope for them that God will do the same. So if we're in this bitter time of COVID or whatever you're experiencing, there's hope when you're partaking that remembrance of others who've walked through bitter times and been delivered.
1: Yes. And that's actually, I think, a great way to segue into the, the part that you remember, the carpus, the parsley, because the parsley is a symbol of the hyssop that was used to put the blood on the doorposts and lintel. So you actually have like a, vi- a visible symbol of what that was. Uh, but then it's dipped in salt water and then you eat it. And that's a symbol of tasting the tears of our forefathers who suffered in bondage. In Egypt. And for Jewish people, it's not just Egypt. It's like this reminder, you know, God has preserved them through the years, but it's also been a lot of tears. You know, the Jewish people have suffered under the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Spanish Inquisitions, the Crusader period, you know, Hitler. The Russian pogroms. Yeah, Hitler. There are so many tears that have been shed, but the beauty of it is that even in the midst of the tears, God has remained faithful to his people. They're still here today, which is a modern miracle. And to think that even as a Christian, you remember the tears, even in the, in the middle of being a Christian, there are tears that are shed because of the issues that we might be dealing with on a daily basis. Some of the shame that we might be dealing with or sin that we might be dealing with it. There's actual tears there, but we remember the hyssop that was used was the same hyssop that was used to lift that vinegar up to Jesus on the cross. So there's like that imagery there as well, that Jesus takes that shame. Jesus takes that sin. He takes it all. He wants us to put it before his feet. So just this really great connection for kids to see that as they're tasting the the tears that were shed.
0: Karen, what's your experience been with kids actually doing this part? What should be our expectation of that be?
2: Yeah. So I always say, you know, when you, I, I have them taste the salt water and I say, that's, god crying every time you make him sad <laughs> you just add guilt
0: and shame onto it
2: yeah. I said, this is to remind you of the tears i cried this morning when you made me so upset um, no um so kids usually hate this stuff you know like i'm sorry that sounds very negative we as adults we see the meaning of it tasting like tears but the fun of it is that the kids taste it and they go, uh, you know, and that's the point. Like the point is that they have like a, a reaction that they, it's more, it's an experience. They can taste it and they can see each other's reactions to it. and And there is nothing else like it. You know, occasionally you have that one kid that's like, I love salt water, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I'm unexpected about my one. Yes. 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 There's, there's always the one character. that wants to be opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, Hey, you know, those are tears, baby. But, um, I, again, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. Age p- will play a role in how they interpret what's going on. I, I know we all know that, but like your older kids are going to go, okay, I, I think I can kind of get that your younger kids, that it's all, it's just the taste. Like I said, in the beginning, it's just kind of laying that foundation and maybe in a couple of years, they'll really, they'll get it, but no, it's, it's always fun. It's just fun to see the reaction to tasting all that weird stuff. It's
0: different. It's, it's different yeah. to them and, um, unique and, and it's a shared experience, which is, you know, exactly being a family. And I've always yeah. heard it just drip, drip, drip. You're just like a little bit here, a little bit here. You don't know what's going to stick. It's exactly. goal to like decide exactly. what's going to stick. And maybe as parents, before you even get started, you as a couple or whoever's joining, the adults could like pray over the time and just be like, open hearts, soften hearts. Like, let's see mm-hmm. what does stick. It's not mm-hmm. up to us. The Holy Spirit can move. And yeah, just releasing that. But I did want to set expectations because we have eaters that are more particular than others. Exactly. That might be a hard part of the meal. Um, mm-hmm. One part that's not going to be hard. Are we, are we onto the apples What's it called? We are
1: onto the apples, yes. That
0: part I yeah. love too much. I like yeah. when we did it at church, I was yeah. just kept eating yeah. them. I just was like, Does anyone else want these? Okay, I'm just gonna keep going after this. Very good. So talk to us about the meaning behind that. And what's the word again for them?
1: It's haroset, but it's just like an apple mixture that is sweet. You know, the it, it's funny, the original three elements of the Passover when you read through Exodus twelve are a lamb, matzah and bitter herbs. But then what happened is rabbis would add things over the years which I just love because by the time you get to Jesus, Jesus is drinking wine. You know, Moses wasn't sipping wine before the Passover, you know, he's got to get out of there as fast as possible. But now you have Jesus sipping wine or drinking wine and and so where did that come from? Well, these things get developed along the way. So there was a rabbi named Hillel who added this element into the Passover and he was tired of just eating bitterness. So he said, we're free people, free people. Don't just cry all the time. We (laughs) celebrate. So let's put something worth celebrating on here for. So they would add this apple mixture. It's called heroset. You mix it actually with the bitter herbs so that you can taste both bitter, the bitterness of bondage and the sweetness of freedom and liberation at the same time.
0: What bitter herb is mixed in?
1: the uh, the the horseradish the horseradish what? is the oh I know. I know
0: this is the fun I thought part. it was just cinnamon and apples okay
1: you can just eat that too but you I oh, know oh
0: oh when you make the sandwich is it mixed
1: mm-hmm. yeah. that's right you oh, you kind of okay. clump it together in between and the and the book that we have walks you through all of this okay. it gives you all I, the instructions
2: I do want to say though on this occasion this is the kids would grab a small piece of matzah and then they would put a little bit of horseradish on it. And then they would put a little bit of this apple mixture on it. Then they would put another piece of matz on top and take a bite of that. So they're tasting the bitterness and the sweetness together. So there's together. not
0: horseradish in the apple mixture. It's just no. at that moment, you're eating both. Got it. And to what's called this little Hillel sandwich. Yes. What's mm-hmm. the Hebrew word for the apple? What does that mean?
1: Horeau said it's just a dessert. It, it means apples in some way. It's really <laughs> nothing like... There's no like
0: deep meaning. I'm not going to get it tattooed on my arm. Okay. No, (laughs) no, don't do it.
1: Okay. That's why I I love the Hebrew names of the books of the Bible, especially the Torah, the first five books. They're just the very first words of the book. You know, Genesis is just Bereshit, which is in the beginning, you know, or he created. It's nothing radical, nothing crazy. Nothing
0: crazy. Okay. So apples. So this rabbi added it. Is there any like meaning for us as Christians that comes from that Part of the meal?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that, again, that imagery of liberation and freedom that comes from being uh, released from bondage. Like there is a sweetness that we have as believers that should be really pepper everything that in the way that we talk and the way that we act, the way that we mom, the way that we dad, all of it should be, you know, kind of sweetened by the fact that the very grace of God has been been poured out for us. And so you see that and you taste it. That's really the beauty of all this is that you're tasting these theological concepts, these like deep biblical concepts. You're tasting them. You know, bitterness is a real biblical concept. Sin is a real biblical concept. Freedom and forgiveness and grace is a real biblical concept. And you're tasting them. That's why I think the kid's can remember You probably remember it so well. So you 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 don't forget what you like and hate when it comes to food.
0: And the gospel is good news, not exactly. Work harder, keep more rules. The law was uh, they they were free from having to be right with God through the law. This was all handled. They were made right with God through Jesus, and that concept for them, I don't think we will ever grasp. No, because we yes. have never been under the law in the way that the Jews were first centuries. So. That freedom is sweet for us. Okay. Is there anything else we need to know about the meal or there's like an empty seat? Do we do that or not with kids? I felt like that was kind of interesting to me as a kid. Tell me about
1: that. So there you'll prepare a seat at the table that just sits alone and it's actually called uh, the seat for Elijah or Elijah's, you know, section of the table the prophet Elijah. And that's what's so awesome about the Passover Seder is it looks back to what God did in the past. It demands you to understand who God is in your life today, you know, to remind yourself of God's goodness and his mercy and his compassion uh, today. And it also gives you this vision that God's not done yet. He's not done with you. He's not done with the world. He's not done with dealing with the issue of sin. He's coming back again. And so even for the Jewish people, the Passover has this prophetic vision of what God would do with the coming of the Messiah. And so the cup of Elijah is there because... The Jewish people, especially very religious Jewish people, understand that the prophet Malachi talked about the fact that Elijah would come before the great and terrible day of the Lord, which is the coming of the Messiah, all these great moments of you know biblical history. And so you, you have like this moment where you stop to remember what God is going to do in the future as well. And so for us, you know, the Messiah has come, his name's Jesus, but Jesus didn't say goodbye. See you later. Have a great life. You know, he is with the father. He's sitting at the right hand of the father, but he also said, I'm coming back again. So the cup of Elijah is just a fresh reminder for us that this whole story of redemption from the beginning to the end uh, involves Jesus. And it involves not only his first coming as the Passover lamb, but his coming again you know, as the Lion of Judah. And so there's this great biblical connection there as well.
2: Chris, can you explain like how they go to the door and why they look outside for Elijah?
1: Yeah, this is great for the kids. So the kids actually have to go to the door that, you know, you say, all right, well, somebody please go open a door to see if Elijah is here? And you open the door and you see, and if they say no, it's like, okay, come back. But there's some like this great Jewish folklore that, you know, kids go to open the door and there's this big bearded man standing there just, it's you know, staring the he daylights out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's a part of the Passover tradition, too, where the kids getting up and they go open the door to say, no, Elijah's not here yet. We're still waiting for that day.
0: Yeah. And I love that you pointed out, like, they're waiting for the Messiah to come the first time. We're waiting for the Messiah to come back. And I, and I do love that they're part of that. That's another like tactile, get out of the, your seat, move around moment uh-huh. for kids. Uh-huh. Um, you had mentioned, Karen, the four glasses of grape juice. Yeah. Tell us where does that play in?
2: Yeah. So that is where I want to strongly um, encourage all the, every mom who wants to do this to go to this FOI.org slash Passover and download the Hagada. I know that sounds like a lot of steps and we'll put links in the show notes. We'll put links in the show notes. Okay. All right. But like, so if you get in there, you'll see that throughout this book are these four prayers that they like kind of pace out throughout the entire Seder. Now, of course, we're just doing the plate, And so if you want to do the four cups and the prayers, just as a mom, again, we're just doing this plate situation. Just pace yourself, your kids out, read the prayer from the Haggadah, drink whatever's in that drink. But if you just go, I don't want to do the whole four cups. I want to do one. Chris, would it not be that it would be the one that Jesus took with them? Yes. At the, at the last supper. So Chris, can you just explain which one that is and what prayer that would be and what the symbolism of that one prayer would be?
1: Yeah. Again, there's a lot of great, deep, rich biblical teaching that's wrapped up in these cups. And there are four different cups that you take throughout the Passover, but the third cup is the most important. It's called the cup of redemption. It's actually the cup that the gospel writers focus on that Jesus takes. And it's what he's trying to say, my blood is going to redeem you. And so this fourth cup is called the cup of redemption. You say a very, very basic, sorry, the third cup. Okay. Thank you. The third cup. Okay. Uh, and it's the the third cup. And if you say this great prayer that just connects you to who God is, you know, blessed art thou, our Lord, our God, King of the universe who created the fruit of the vine. These very basic prayers, but that really give and acknowledge that God is the creator of all things and that Jesus is connecting himself to this cup saying, it's going to be my blood that provides redemption to to buy you back from your sin so that you might have life, the unique connection there between the cup and his blood. And that's actually the cup that Christians take during communion is the cup of redemption actually has a name to it.
0: Fantastic. So they could space out if they wanted to do all four, they could space out like the prayer and a drink and then one element from the plate and then another drink, an element from the plate. Like you could intersperse them. Absolutely. Exactly.
2: Y'all are amazing. Anything else we should know? I would like to say two quick things. One is if you get into the Haggadah, what I like about it is that it has a section called the four kinds of children. Mm. Okay. And so um, I'm just going to abbreviate it real quick. One, the one child is the wise child. This child wants to learn. He's sitting at the table. He's like, yes, mom, more more, yes, harsh, more they <laughs> questions and curious. <laughs> yeah, and yes. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. Um, the second one is scornful. Why are we doing this? This is dumb. I could be on my screen. Why are we here? The third child is the simple one. He's naive, innocent, and shy. He's there, but he's like, what, why are we doing this? The fourth one, Um, doesn't even realize that something unusual is happening. I love this. (laughs) And I have four kids. And I, so I know exactly what this thing is talking about. So, and I want to go even a step further. I know kids have ADHD. I know autism's at play. We have so many different types of children. Get them around the table, lower your expectations, and just see what happens. Yeah. It's okay. Whatever happens, just get that parsley. I mean, this is four types of children. I'm sure there's a hundred types of moms, but let's just focus on two. The one that's going to go all in on this deal. She's that Amber Lee, our friend that talks about it. She's going to set that gorgeous table. She's going to nail it. <laughs> and then there's me. <laughs> and I'm like, dear God, let them get one piece of parsley into that salt water. And if we do that, we will have succeeded. So, I, you know, wherever you are, just do whatever works for you. But one of my favorite things, and this can only be found, not only, you can look anywhere online, but one of my favorite parts of the um, the Passover is this part, and it's um, this part called Dayenu, okay? And that's, I guess, Hebrew, Chris, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Hebrew? What does it stand for?
1: It would have been enough.
2: Okay. It would have been enough. And so you go through this part where like the mom or dad would read, um, how many wonderful deeds did God perform for us? Had he brought us out of Egypt and not split the sea for us. And then the whole group goes, Dianu, it would have been enough. Had he split the sea for us and not brought us through dry ground, Dianu you know, go on and on. Had he fed us with manna and not given us the Sabbath? Diane, The point is that we, no matter what God does in your life, it should be enough. Hmm. And when I think about my kids and how many amazing things they get every day, and they come up to me and they ask me for more, I always want to say, please be grateful for what you have. Had the Lord simply just given us life, breath, life, uh, shoes. It would have been enough. So to me, there's this kind of deep battle, spiritual battle in our children today, where there's so many things that they want all the time. And I just want to say, guys, don't forget that the Lord delivered these people from bondage. And that's actually the only thing that really matters for you. You know, all this other stuff is so excessive over the top. So anyway, it, That's kind of a fun part. The Dianu part, just to get your kids screaming, it would have been enough, or they can scream Dianu or whatever. You know, that's just something you can just- I love
0: it. I feel like, I feel like that's a thing that instead of saying and going on a tantrum and like a lecture in a moment of like, oh my gosh, my kids are so entitled. You could just like slip in Dianu and they, (laughs) because of that experience, know all that encompasses- Like they know that like salvation is enough and that this is all bonus living. So I love that. That feels like a benediction you just gave us. So that's your tattoo, Heather. Ah, That's my tattoo. I can't get a tattoo. I told my dad I wouldn't. And so I think I got a ring with Hebrew on it. That's what I got when I went to Israel. That's good. Y'all are amazing. I'm going to point people to that page. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for walking us through such grace all right. Well, thanks, y'all, so much. Appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, y'all, for enjoying that conversation with us. I hope it was inspiring. We have put all the links in the show notes for you, and it is like an overview. I know, if you, especially if you grew up in a home, a Jewish home or you are Jewish, you might be like, oh, my gosh, they forgot about this and this, and they didn't talk about this. Yes, we were trying to simplify um, and expose possibly people who had never considered a Passover Seder and as a follower of Jesus. So I hope it introduced you to that. I am going to pray for us as we are entering this holy week. Lord, I thank you that, oh man, So much of what you are doing in our lives has been ordained from the beginning and planned out. I thank you for these physical reminders, these feasts, these times to gather, to focus on the truth of who you are, the promises you have made and kept. And so, whenever we are having days where we struggle to hold on to hope, that we can look back, see what you have done, and hold on to the promise that you do not change. You cannot lie. And so you are continuing to redeem and restore, even if our current circumstances do look so far from any kind of restoration or redeeming. I pray that we would press in to you, to spending time with you, and trusting, God, that you are a God who raises the dead that Jesus is enough that we can lean on His work on the cross, and that that is it. There is no law we have to keep to be right with you, that it is only an overflow and a blessing from what you have already done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, y'all, for listening. Meet me back here next week. I'm going to have licensed professional counselor, Shandria Riddick, join us to help us with broken friendships. So I did a survey on Instagram, and two-thirds of the respondents said that in the last year, they'd had a broken friendship. And that, ugh, just so heartbreaking. Um, So we're going to give some hope and help in that episode. Also wanted to just thank you guys. You are a huge Part of this ministry. If you're a mom and you feel like your whole world is meeting the needs of little kids right now and trying to fit your job and all the other things in, I want you to know when you share an episode on Instagram, when you leave a review on iTunes, you are helping another mom find the show. And if you have found anything valuable in what we share, you are you are just helping her feel less alone. So thank you. Thank you for what you do. I do not take it for granted. A huge part of where we are today is because of you. So thank you. All right. See you here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone,